Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain market report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer, Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's market report. Welcome to the market report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for Monday the 15th of June 2020. Interesting times. The market is coming down. The rain is uh, still falling. It has been a a considerable drop off from the top. Are farmers selling with any aggression on new crop wheat? No, they're not. Is there a bit more old crop wheat coming forward? Yes, a little bit. But I don't see that one falling away dramatically unless there is more than anticipated and people have been playing the game of, you know, hold it off the market, we're going to win. They already won is the point. I don't think it's going to be trading any higher than it recently has been unless new crop kicks off again. So I think you'll still make 160x farm for old crop feed wheat, but that's getting a bit toppy. So it'll soon be less than that, I suspect. Not much, but about there or thereabouts. New crop, again, I think, yep, there's a bigger crop than we thought. We're still going to be a net importer. The market is coming down, which is, yeah, where does it go down to to make people? I guess 160x is the minimum price people will sell November for for a time. And at the moment, you could make probably 62. So it might have a couple more quid in it, but I, I'm not seeing farmer selling at all because, you know, I, the rain has come down, but it's really highlighting some of the fields. If you go and look at the fields, you'll find that it's the patches that were there now look even more extreme. But the healthy grains, without doubt, will have benefited from this. I just hope there isn't too much second growth. Barley is beginning to show signs of harvest because we are getting sellers of feed barley. People are realising, right, the crop is coming. It's going to be with me shortly. I need to move it out of the way. And so we have had that market drop off from probably 124x down to 22, maybe 21x. It's That's under a bit more pressure. And I suspect that will come down and settle at 120x until the combines roll. And then I think, I'm afraid, a lot of farmers will say, oh, I've got some feed barley I need to sell and I think we will see lower prices during the harvest period. So if you've got something to do where you need to move the feed barley, get on with it. Malting barley, well, that is going to be dependent upon the quality. Are we going to see second growth in some of these samples? Certainly some of the spring barley later drilled will benefit from this rain more markedly than some of the earlier stuff. Where is the nitrogen levels? It's not going to be there in yield, I don't think. So therefore it should be a slightly higher nitrogen crop on spring barley. And I'm certain the winter barley has got higher nitrogen levels. And let's be clear, you know, your nitrogen spec is important to the man who produces the mash to go to the brewers. If it's too high nitrogen, then it isn't really malting barley. The the way you can sometimes blend some of that together to reach an average spec sample, but more often than not in a year like this where there's a carryover and a surplus, if it's out of spec, then I'm afraid it's heading towards the feed bin with a lot more regularity than years where it's harder to get your hands on it. Plus, there is not enough beer being drunk. The consumption is not there and that is going to be really telling as the season goes on. So it's not going to be a vintage price year for malting barley. 
which is sad for our area. But, you know, hey, we've still got to deal with the crop and do the best we can with it. Too much of it being rejected is going to put extra pressure on the feed barley market. So let's just watch that one. Be aware of the dynamics of what could happen. Obviously, rape has perked up a bit. Most people have tidied up their old crop. I mean, harvest is kind of 310, 315, something in that region, depending on what currency does. You tell me, the crops, in my opinion, have actually, in our county, has come together quite well. There's some very good-looking crops as a sweeping statement. So just maybe the yield is a little better than we thought. Harvest movement, will there be boats? No. Will there be difficulty to move it? Possibly in some locations, but there's certainly a lot less rape in the country, so it should sort itself out fairly quickly. My new favourite milling wheat uh, conversation, there's some good premiums for soft wheat in new crop and good premiums for milling wheat in new crop. And milling wheat's been trading into the Midlands Octec before this recent futures drop up to £200 a tonne. So allowing for the extra haulage you have to do to get there, 10 or £11, it's 185 or 6x farm for November is a pretty hefty price. So um, those of you that have grown milling wheat... I think it's a difficult one to commit to before the Hagbergs. And I know that the graveyard is full of grain traders who've uh, made the decision to uh, sell the backside off milling wheat and then it rains like crazy all the way through harvest and they end up losing their jobs. So um, it's one of those ones you can't really trade into yet. But if you're carrying old crop milling wheat, it's a much better price than selling it right now if you can do it. So with that, I think by now you're listening to this and the sun has come out again and we're getting warm. So hopefully there's rain forecast for next week and this week will just make the crop develop nicely. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Get your website working for you with East Coast Design Studio. Want to know how to increase traffic to your website? East Coast Design Studio are offering a free full site assessment and SEO appraisal to help you improve the performance of your business. Each website report comes with a clear, actionable and prioritised list of recommendations that you can implement in order to reach more customers. Want to get more visitors to your website? Go to eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk and click on the ribbon on the homepage. Oh, and did we mention it's free? And now it's time for Farm Chat. This week I have got um, youngest son, Henry, uh, who's going to do his first podcast with us. So, Henners, hello. Hiya. Now, Henry is not in the grain trade, although he has in his past delivered a few important and fatal blows in rugby games, I believe, Henry. Do you remember uh, an incident? Um, yeah. Well, particularly in the grain trade, those was the, when we played uh, Frontier. And, yeah, uh, I remember that game well. Finley Calder was the coach. Yeah, And the right. whole grain trade got together to play at Newark, didn't they? Yeah. To the mighty frontier. Yeah, it was a pretty wet and windy day. And I think, um, actually, I think there was a bit of a scrap kicked off at one point. Yeah, luckily you, you boys weren't involved at all at any point no. punching any frontier no. people, were you? No, ahead in the game. Yeah, let's keep out of the way. Well done, lads. But <laughs> but the point is, very famous victory for the underdogs, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I think it was about, I think we won by about three or four points. I think we were a couple of points down at the end and then I was playing at 10 and obviously tried to be heroic and went for the drop goal. Yeah, which um, failed miserably. Which failed miserably, hit the hit the between the post and the crossbar, I think. But by pure luck, bounced into... The, se- the centre's hands, back, back, you caught it, yeah. it down and then you just caught it under the post. You kicked the points that meant we won, yeah. So... Yeah, so Good old Henners, he's, uh, 
managed to avoid the grain trade and, and moved to London. And uh, so the first observation is that he's, he's actually been, uh, before lockdown, moved out of the uh, metropolis to avoid the, the crisis, didn't you? I did. About a week and a half before lockdown, um, I knew it was coming in. There was loads of people that were talking about it happening. So I ended up ru- like rushing get back home when they closed our office, panic packed and uh, got straight back on a train back up to Norfolk and haven't been back, haven't been back since. I think it's almost three months now, actually. Yeah, I mean, so when it gets to the time to go back, I mean, it's, you know, what's your thoughts about London now, relatively? I mean, because up here, it's a bit quieter. To be honest, the last two, three months have been been really nice. What's been the best thing about it has been just, your life is constantly 100 miles an hour when you're down there. Like, it was non-stop, and it was in such a routine. And I think everyone's found the same thing, is when they've, since this has happened, it's been an opportunity to genuinely reflect on what, you enjoy in, in life and then coming back out here has sort of been like and me and an, I've got to say 95% of my friends have wondered why they're living down there yeah it's great fun but when you've been there for five years which I have been you come back and you've got all this space you haven't got loads of people around your life slowed down you've got a bit more time to do things so thoughts on London are it's still great but there's much more of a kind of push to move move back here within it's, it's the near kind of, future I mean obviously you know parents are like come home Henry but aside from that you know London without the sweaty pub without the the party and it's going to take some time for it to really get back up to speed on that isn't it because social distancing and all that is it's left its mark definitely I saw the news yesterday where they were talking about the difference between two meters in a pub and one meter and that big difference makes a difference whether the pub breaks even or makes a loss and what I've seen on social media and talking to my friends is that people are going to the park and then they're drinking there. They're going into a pub, getting a takeaway pint, but they might as well just go to the supermarket and do the same thing. Are they fully acknowledging the social distancing rules? Probably not. And they probably did the the groups of six earlier than what we did out here and what the rest of the country probably did. Mm. But that's bigger cities for you, I think. Out here, we've been particularly, you know, everyone is very conscious and you do virtual handshakes. It's, it's yeah. just bizarre, isn't it? No one goes near anybody anymore. This must do terrible things to Tinder. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I think uh, one of my colleagues has been on, a, on, on four or five online dates over Zoom, which is mental. Now that's eased up, I think probably Tinder and Bumble are going crazy because both sides of the party are wanting to, to, sure. to get involved. <laughs> I always remember years and years ago, I said to you, what was Tinder? And you said, well, I'll show you. And you, you showed me. This is like six yeah. years ago. And you, you pressed a button and you just moved down to London and there was, God knows, 17 girls came up in a five seconds flat. Like, yeah. and, and you went, and we looked at them and I went, yeah. And you went, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just never. It was just, not available in my day. No, I can imagine it. It was completely different, isn't it? You've wow. you've suddenly got sort of sport for choice, kind of. Well, like not that they then accepted me back at all, but no. it was it was a long time ago now. However, just it, breaking the ice is yeah. like, or admitting that they're actually vaguely interested is a bit of a shocker because yeah. you had to try hard, and even if they were, they'd sort of pretend they weren't. Didn't you had to normally reach out to them? But there was one called Bumble, which I'm sure some of your listeners will be familiar with. The, Never, I haven't actually heard of that one. What no, uh, that's the one where you... It's exactly the same method, but the girl has to reach out to you. Um, oh, let's let's, let's, let's touch first. on that phrase, right? Reach out. We heard oh, that. yeah. I actually... It's the new in word. There's, there's every now and again a new set of words come out, and reach out is the new one. And do you know what? I really don't like reach out. It's so accurate, but it's so... Uh, woke. 
My opinion on on you not liking Reach Out is Andrew loves Dad loves NLP, and it is it is an amazing thing. But I think that it gets read into like too much in terms of reaching out, as in you're putting your hand out, reaching for help from someone. But I use it in a sense, and a lot of people use it in a sense of I'm just reaching out to to get to just you're just reaching out to to have a conversation with them. You're not asking for anything. You just yeah, it's literally kind of, that simple yeah, well, but I, it's under a cloak isn't it and it's, it's, oh, it's about communication is all about your message getting put across so you know if, if you're reaching out you're saying to someone you know you broadcast or you ask directly or you clearly show your intention reaching out is kind of attending that you're like hey i'm just kind of reaching out yeah. to you but it, and in fact it's like hey i want to sell you this product <laughs> yeah well that's normally the reason I am reaching out to, <laughs> to do it. So no, yeah, I do. I do agree in We're that regard. But sometimes, if you're so direct with people, they're just like there's rude. In what I do, I speak to Nordics all the time, and they are very much on politeness. Okay. So if you're polite to them, you're, they're polite back. It's not like when you're calling people in the UK; it's they're, they're brutal. In Nordics, they're it's politeness match kind of thing. Really. Okay. So it's oh, that's you can't good. be so direct with them. I'm in Norfolk Farmers. Well, should I, I'll try reaching out. I'm reaching out, guys. It's not sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'll... Uh, yeah. Right, what are you reaching out for? <laughs> uh. <laughs> My beer. No, anyway, so I just want to... Sorry, I picked you up on reaching out because I've been itching to for months. Yeah. You've been up here. You've had opportunity to run along the cliffs, run along the paths, mm-hmm. along the beach. Has your exercise levels increased? massively yeah but i just got more time because when you finish work you're it's the same with anyone in quarantine i think or lockdown or whatever you're immediately at home you don't have a th- half an hour commute exercised every pretty much every day i'm running a lot more there's a big uh big trend with strava mm-hmm. which is a uh, an app yeah, which you can link strong. to your smart watches or your phone whatever and it can track everything that you're doing it's a bit of a social media fitness thing to be honest it's, it, i don't really like it because it, it takes the enjoyment out of it a bit but strava, it does you, challenge you against other people yeah, if you're publishing, if you're yeah, chat. I mean, Fitbit does the same thing. You can yeah. see what is my heart rate up? Am I? Am I? How far am I running? And although Fitbit isn't that accurate with distance, unless you probably pay a premium, I've got a Fitbit which has increased my exercise levels because mm. I've made me aware of sitting down a bit too much. But Strava, it gets public unless you wish to remain anonymous, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. But there's the competitiveness. And everyone's looking at each other's figures. Exactly. Judging each other. Yeah, it isn't actually that enjoyable, but it does spur you on to do more, I think. Which yeah, well, is... my, my mate Paul Everton had this, you know, five, six years ago, probably more than that. And, uh, you know, without a doubt, he, that, that really appealed to his competitive nature. He pushed and pushed, and he's, he's super fit and super thin, and I'm mm. obviously still Mr. Podge, so I <laughs> should have done it. And he lost weight. <laughs> Drop my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, so exercise levels have increased. What else is there that this place offers, really? Well, I'm sleeping better. One of the biggest things I like, because I obviously grew up in Norfolk, and I think going to bed like helps the with the sleeping, by the way. What's that? Going to bed helps with the sleeping. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that is the problem, problem down there. What I've noticed is the ability to see the stars here is nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, really nice. And because well, you see one tell, or two in I'll London. I'll tell you a story about that. Munty, my old mate, everyone knows Munty in the grain trade. He had never seen a shooting star, and he's he's obviously yeah. nearly nearly 100 years old now. So he, he was at ours, and he every time he comes out, he, he says, go in the garden, let's go in the garden. He's wowed by the Norfolk skyline. And we, yeah. I said, have you ever seen a shooting star? Oh, I said, right. So we, we laid on the top of the trampoline, just lay there. He was hugging his friend Jack Daniels, and uh, 
And lo and behold, I think we had three shooting stars. Yeah. And he was, he's like, oh, I've never seen one. No, epic. There was a meteor shower about our third week in, and me and my mate Ollie, uh, who's, who's been staying with us, we literally just went outside and then looked up the sky. 25 minutes, three shooting stars. But those kind of things were important. And the other thing was, was the clean air. When you get out, especially being by the coast here, yeah. you just got that really hit of clean, clean air compared to when you're on the tube yeah um, I think I have mentioned that well, I've run on about London and, and all no, that but, but I, I you know I totally get the dynamic of why you were down there and I totally get why you've got to go back because you've got a job down there mm. but it's going to it's going to be strange isn't it yeah, it'll be definitely different. And I don't want to knock London because it is, it is just fab. I love going down there. You go there, brilliant place if you're, if you're a young kind of professional trying to... Honestly, the reason I went down there was just to like learn from different industries, mm. go and learn from different people, be in that sort of hustle and bustle, like real busy, really high energy kind of vibe. And a lot of my friends were down there as well, so it kind yeah, of no, made sense. And I've been down there with all of all of the boys who you were playing rugby with all those years ago in a bar just off yeah. Liverpool Street, and it, it's I, you know absolutely is infectious. Can't help but have fun. No, exactly. And that will continue for sure. But after being there for five years and then having this opportunity to look back, it's like okay, right. How much longer have I got left there? Yeah. I mean, you're in the software industry at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've had some thoughts about the dynamics of how that fits with agriculture, haven't we? Yeah, for sure. Agritech is a massive industry yeah. and is set to be worth about $25 billion by 2025 dollars, that is. And yeah, we've discussed if we could have a, do something to take a, just a 0.1% of that market and you're going to make, or you're going to do, hopefully do well out of it and create a business that could benefit a lot of agricultural businesses predominantly we looked in terms of the trading side of things for grain but then you've also got things like coffee and cotton and things like that that could be helped by something all commodities that trade between smaller units individual producers Mm. and a greater marketplace sometimes connecting those two actually if you could do it electronically yes you're going to cut well you can there's sometimes people want to just do something anonymously or do something without having a conversation don't they Mm. And opening the door to that is, we think, not just in agriculture, but in yeah. other f- industries. No, for sure. That's something I've learned from working in software and in, in tech companies is that everything, whether you like it or not, is going digital. And it's time to embrace it, I think. Yeah. It's time to move forward with it. And like you might have an issue with potentially younger farmers not liking picking up the phone talking to you as much as what... Yeah, no, true. You, yeah, you, people of your generation. Say, I, I, it's not so much not liking it. It's I understand it. It's just that I think to a degree is a generation that are beginning to struggle with the dynamic of a conversation They're in the sense that they don't like the pressure of it. They don't like, you know, what's it going to be, boy, yes or no. Mm. And they kind of don't want that hassle. They want to do that secretly in a quiet room and go, right, I'm going to sell 600 tonnes of this because I think it's going to go down. Their decision, they're not going to pass that to someone else so they get the glory. It's their decision. Yeah. And they want that. But they equally, they need to have the debate with people who can explain some of the pitfalls. It isn't just a ourselves. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's the need for the conversation, but maybe the actual transaction... Could be streamlined a bit smoother. Yeah, and yeah, and sometimes, you know, just quicker, you know. I've yeah, got, exactly. I've got a load left, I'll sell it, bang. Yeah, done, and without, you know, without having to call up. But it's not taking anything away from the importance of having that relationship between farmers and grain traders, because that's always going to be there. But, yeah, if you if, you, if there's something there that could... Simply, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 that, we'll, we'll call it, what should we call the project? Link. Project Do. Project Do, there you go. Yeah. Project Do, Secret Squirrel. Project Do will be with you soon. Yeah. There's Exciting a taste stuff. We're yeah. reaching out to you there. Agriculture, you got you got big brother in the um, in the grain business. Do you sort of fancy coming into the old grain business? Yeah, there's 
part of me that wants to, yeah, get involved, obviously. Josh, always promised games against Frontier, by the way. I no, <laughs> we did one at Allianz Park in South. That was Grand. the North versus South, wasn't oh, it? There you go. We got absolutely hammered. I think they well, just Joe Beardshaw was picked uh, for the Grad North, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. And he tackled you and after. He, yeah, he like, did, yeah. I remember, yeah, no, he yeah, still, still got it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, <no>. uh, <laughs> Josh, uh, yeah, he seems like he's doing really well. Definitely, I've heard him on here before, and he certainly knows what he's talking about. And he's got he's got a lot of ideas, and he really, really cares about doing grain. Um, yeah, he loves it. Time for me to retire yet? Yeah, soon, soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> I shake my head there, and he answered badly. Anyway, uh, so which which one of you is the favourite nah. son? No, <laughs> there isn't one. Molly. <laughs> I didn't say favourite daughter, favourite <laughs> well, child. There's been times where, where I've thought about it and then potentially in the future. Um, it depends, doesn't it? It depends on a lot of things. What happens with Project Do? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Watch the space. So other than that, I think, you know, the dynamic of what it's like for the younger generation from this county that moved down to London on block, it looks like, to me, a number of them are going to come back. So North Horsham Rugby Club might be, might be getting some extra players. Hopefully. Yeah, I think um, there'll be definitely a few people that are looking to move back. I think it's, you, it's the people that have been there for a longer period of time. You're still going to get all the grads and everyone below the age of 25 moving there 100%. Yeah. Um, there won't be any statues left, by the way. No, no. Where do you think, you know, that's, that's obviously going to be a dynamic in London as well. There's not been any riots up in rural Norfolk. Does that end here, do you think? Or is it a perpetual? I mean, this at the moment with the pandemic is a kind of bit of a dim thing to do, in my view. Will it stop? I think it will calm down for sure. Media doesn't help how things are portrayed. Ah, oh, the media. Like, yeah. with so many things. In all honesty, actually, the riots are, are peaceful and they're, and they're for exactly the right reasons, in my opinion. But then you've got the odd person, like two or three people within a riot, that then make it thuggish. And then, then the media do portray that. So we then do see a, a thwarted image of it, which isn't necessarily true because so many other protests that have been going on across, you know, Brighton or London, wherever it is, have been peaceful, but then you do get the odd idiot. The, the far-reaching effects of what goes on after this and the climate change protests that will occur in the future, because we will go back to square one. Everyone is inherently selfish and we will all be ramming it onto aeroplanes. Yeah, no, I know, it's terrible, I think. Yeah. This, this was a chance, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's done It's done like wonders for the global climate, hasn't it? So. Well, I've got to say, actually, if carbon usage is 17% down or something... And there's still obviously a very large amount of carbon being burnt in keeping humans going. Possibly the sums on the dairy industry being responsible for 40% of all carbon emissions are wrong. It's easy to pick on a target of people out in the country with a cow or, you know, massive great cattle lots with hormones in the States you're going to be eating shortly because of mm. your government. But it's, it is the dynamic is actually the sums are wrong. Let's look at how much carbon's been dropped no cows have gone missing. There's a big drop in carbon because of lack of cars, lack of aeroplanes, and a number of other industries stopping. Mm. Let's just have a look at those sums again, because I suspect 40% is it's not. There's something missing from the blame on that industry. Well, yeah, no, potentially. And I think I also saw, heard yesterday on the news that um, April was the first month we haven't used coal yeah. for energy, which is great. Yeah, it is really good. Henry... You know, obviously, you're now a podcast veteran. So thank you very much for letting me nab you today. You look healthy. Thanks. Always love it, you being up here. So good on you. And um, when we've got Project 2 to announce, you'll be back on again, won't you? Yeah, I think uh, hopefully quite soon. So, yeah, looking forward to that. No, thank you for having me on. Pleasure. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers.
Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 